Welcome to the Purposeful Parenting Podcast. I'm Harriet Rowe, wife and mother of four adult children, three girls and one boy, all graduates of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and take in your weekly dose of Purposeful Parenting. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Purposeful Parenting. This week is Holy Week, and Sunday we will celebrate when Jesus arose from the dead. You know, we hear a lot about the Christmas story. We hear about how Jesus was born in a stable, about the star, about the wise man. But sometimes we forget that If he had not died for us on that cross, we would not be able to have eternal life. So it's important to remember the fact that, yes, he was born, but he died and was resurrected. He defeated death. And that's why we can embrace the new life that he has offered to us. And it's very important to understand that because of this new life, this is an important foundation that we can have and that is needed for healthy families. That is knowing that he was born, knowing who he is, and knowing that he died for us and that he would have died if you were the only person living. He would have died just for me. He defeated death so that we could have eternal life. And as I said, this and knowing this and asking him to be your Lord and Savior is a vital foundation for healthy, godly families. So let's take a look at the Easter story. The Easter story then is the story of an empty tomb. Now, no one knows exactly where this tomb is, and it really doesn't matter. But I do want to tell you that I had the opportunity to visit Israel, and I did go to the tomb, and it is empty. It's the tomb that is believed to be where they laid Jesus. The Easter story shows a fulfillment of the prophecies that were told in the Old Testament, and it reveals why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Immediately before the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus served a Passover meal with his disciples, and he was explaining to them how the meal represented not only the past, but also what was going to happen in the following days. Jesus had to make the ultimate sacrifice at the time of Passover. He also had to be taken down from the cross before sunset, because this was the beginning of the Sabbath. Each event that he shows us in his word 
is a larger picture of what God had been doing through his people for centuries. And it set the stage for what he planned for the next few thousand years. Now, just what did the Last Supper really mean? He tells us in Luke twenty-two nineteen, do this in remembrance of me. Now, this is called communion, and Christians everywhere celebrate what we know as communion. Jesus and his disciples were celebrating the Passover together. Now, a small part of this observance involves drinking a cup and breaking and eating unleavened bread. Now, the entire observation of Passover is a remembrance of how God delivered the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt. And each element is a symbol of that. And as they celebrated this meal, Jesus reaffirmed the original meaning of the deliverance from the physical slavery, while he also added the meaning of the freedom from spiritual slavery. His broken body is represented by the bread that he gave his disciples, and his blood was the wine that he served in the cup. In him and through his sacrifice, the symbolism has been fulfilled. Now, let's take a look at what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is a grove of olive trees that's still there today. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, I've been there. And it's very peaceful and serene and really beautiful And as you walk through there, you think about the time that Jesus was there and what he went through. You see, Jesus prayed in the Garden of of Gethsemane. He could see the temple and he could probably hear the hustle and bustle of the other people who were gathering together to celebrate Passover. It's here in this garden that he prayed the most agonizing prayer to ever be lifted up. And after the last supper with his disciples, he took them out to pray in the garden where he predicted that his friend Peter, one of the disciples, would deny him. And he prayed for God's will to be done in him. One of Jesus's other disciples, as you know, betrayed him. And Jesus had said that he would be betrayed, just as he had said that Peter would deny him three times. Jesus went through several trials, and all of them were legally out of line, meaning that they were illegal. Even by the ancient standards, His first trial was before the Sanhedrin and the leading council of Israel, where he was charged with blasphemy. Blasphemy, meaning he was claiming to be God. And we know that he is and was God. He is God. The meeting of the council was called at night, and all the witnesses brought against Jesus were very poor witnesses at best meaning that they weren't telling the truth. 
The council didn't have any authority to sentence Jesus to death. So they brought him to Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor who held that power. And Pilate found no cause for getting involved in what he saw as a local religious dispute. So when he found out that Jesus was from Galilee, he sent him off to Herod. And Herod was the leader of Galilee, who was in also in Jerusalem for the Passover. But before Herod, Jesus was mocked and beaten and then sent back to Pilate. Pilate finally allowed for his crucifixion just to satisfy the crowd. Now, there was no legal reason for Jesus to be crucified. He had not blasphemed or opposed paying taxes. Yet, it was God's will that Jesus die on our behalf to take away our sin. There was no stopping the plan of God. It was going to happen no matter what and no matter how painful. Out of this pain and even in this darkest hour, a path has been laid for the resurrection and the glorious hope of eternal life and triumph over the grave. Yes, Jesus defeated death. So why was Jesus crucified then? The crucifixion of Jesus was one of the most horrifying, yet most startlingly beautiful things that has ever happened. And I say startlingly beautiful because of what he did for us. Crucifixion wasn't unique to Jesus but was a common Roman practice. You see, criminals and outlaws and others were regularly crucified in the Roman world. Perhaps the most striking thing about the method of his death was that it was so strikingly common. You see, crucifixion was not unusual sight for the people of Israel under Roman occupation. What was unusual is that this man, this man Jesus, had committed no crime worthy of crucifixion. In fact, Jesus had not committed any crime at all. As you know, Jesus was human, he was God, and he was without sin. So he had not committed any crime. The Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, was a soldier and a politician known to be cruel in his methods and by no means a soft-hearted man. Yet, even he expressed regret for allowing the crucifixion of Christ to proceed. Jesus was crucified on a hill known as the Skull, just outside of Jerusalem. Some Bible versions translate this as Calvary or Golgotha. It seems to have been a common place for these types of 
executions. And it could have been so named because the hill looked like a large skull or because of many executions that regularly occurred there. Now, let's take a look at how Jesus died. To say that the death of Christ was excruciating is no stretch. And in fact, I cannot even imagine what he went through. But if you have not seen the passion of the Christ, I would suggest that you do. And the reason I suggest that is because for me, at least, whenever I see that, I see and get a small glimpse of just how painful it must have been for Jesus, how humiliating it must have been. They kicked him. They spit on him. They did all sorts of things, not to mention all the pain that they put him through with scourging him and putting a crown of thorns on his head. Yes, it was really excruciating. And that's no stretch by any imagination. As the word excruciating itself is derived from the word crucifixion. And it really literally means the pain of a crucifixion. You see, suffering from blood loss, extreme pain, and muscle spasms from being nailed on a cross. Imagine he's on this cross and his hands are nailed to the cross. His feet are nailed to the cross. The victim, Jesus, eventually lost the strength and the ability to continue taking in air and died from suffocation. The moment Jesus died, it would seem that all was lost and his vision of God's kingdom had died with him. But it's interesting, as he hung on that cross, he asked his father God to forgive them because they did not know what they were doing. Now, I have to tell you, I recently watched The Passion of Christ again. And as I was sitting there and really feeling some of the things that were happening, all I could think of was, how can I forgive them for that? And then you hear Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then Luke 23, 46 says that Jesus called out with a loud voice as he was dying, Father, into your hands, commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last breath. But you know what? The story was not yet over. Let's look at what happened when he died. When Jesus died, the hope of his followers was also on the verge of death. The one they had followed and they had believed in had died the death of a common thief. Yet, there were many other things that occurred which the Bible tells us about. 
At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now, the importance of this is that up until now, in order to seek forgiveness, they had to go through a priest behind this curtain. After Jesus died, we have a direct way of communicating with him through prayer. Now, the earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Now, this part is interesting, too. It says, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, needless to say, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And that's in Matthew 27, 51 through 54. So where did they bury Jesus? John nineteen forty one says, At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So after the crucifixion, a man named Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus to be placed in his tomb. Joseph, you see, was a wealthy man. He was a member of the council, and more importantly, he was a follower of Jesus. After they had hastily prepared his body for burial, a large stone was rolled in front of the entrance, and they put Roman guards there in front of it to make sure no one stole his body. You see, they had been told that Jesus was going to be taken, so they thought. Jesus had gained quite an energetic following, and there was concern that someone may attempt to steal the body, claiming that Jesus had returned from the dead. So these guards would fulfill their duty to ensure that the stone stayed in place and that no one would move it. They never, ever anticipated it being moved from the inside. So how did the resurrection happen? At the moment that death was defeated is the moment that Jesus arose from the dead and walked out of the borrowed grave. We don't understand how this happened, only that through the power of God, it did happen. The first people to see the empty tomb and to see him resurrected were women who had followed him. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And that's in Luke 24, 1 through 3. 
And they were asked, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Luke 24, 5 through 6. How can you be saved? 1 Peter 1 through 3 says, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The death and resurrection of Jesus means that there is hope in this hopeless world. That there truly is a God and that not only does he understand us, but he became one of us. He took our sins upon himself and he is alive today. Read that in Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. If we truly believe he is who he says he is and that he rose from the dead as he said he would, it will forever change the way we think and the way we live. This is the time of year that life begins to bloom all around us. Spring replaces winter, and as the air begins to warm, there's a sense of rejuvenation and refreshing. There's a feeling being made new all over again. Isn't it fitting that we celebrate the resurrection at this time of the year? And also fitting that we embrace new life offered to us through our living Savior. Lord, thank you for making the seemingly impossible possible for me. Through your death, your burial, and your resurrection, You have given me and my family hope for the future. No matter what life brings, I know you hold the answers for me. And I can depend on you to give me your very best. That is the Easter story. And I pray that you will embrace the new life that he has offered you. And that you will understand and know that embracing the life that he has given you will also lay a foundation beyond any imaginable for your family. Accepting who he is and what he did for you is the most important thing that you can ever do, and that you can do for your child. Happy Easter, and remember to parent on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting, or if you would like to reach out, please visit me on HarrietRow.com. And follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. 
feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose. Thank you.